Welcome back to Me, Myself, and I, an official Confession Stand podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hannah Slash Spuds. And I am Sam Swags. Sam Swags. And I am Sarah Carbs. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you for remembering it. You just love it. (laughs) Oh my god. All right, Sam, what are you going to talk about today? We are on episode 13, which is The Tale End of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass, and that is going to be chapters 65 through 82. All right, Cars, this is your moment to say something witty. I feel like I'm being treated like a wind-up, coin-operated, like, oh, just be charming and sexy and, and say something amazing. Oh, Cars, don't be such a bone carver right now. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> you're being a Samarantha and you're being a spun reader. And I am like, <laughs> and I'm not going to tolerate being insulted on my own show. <laughs> Our show. I mean, a a show that I share with you. I will not be insulted on one third of a show. I won't do it. I won't stand for it. (laughs) Or sit for it, because that's what I'm currently doing. (laughs) Where we left off in the last episode, Elaine was just kidnapped. Mm -hmm. Rescued. And rescued. And rescued, yeah. (laughs) Everything that could go wrong did, and then some. (laughs) Because of Farrah's savior complex. I wonder where she got that from. I wonder. <laughs> you should really get the cough fixed because you know it's resand. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't clear enough on that. <laughs> so yeah, this is pretty much the lead up to the epic battle mm-hmm. for all that is good and holy. Finally, I'm just gonna say that. Like if I feel like we've been waiting for this to happen for so long. Spuds, imaginary people died. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was very insensitive. But did they, though? Finally, it happened. I'm so excited. (laughs) Don't tell carbs. (laughs) What? (laughs) So it's just a lot of setup of them just kind of tying their loose ends, counting their troops. Mm -hmm. It's always sad right before a battle... It really is. Like, Resand and Farah go to Farah's old town and start winnowing humans away. And they even start forcibly winnowing some humans who don't want to go and don't believe them. It's not having, like, allowing them to die in the town. So I get that it's for the greater good. But also, like, trauma. Mm-hmm. Being well, winnowed away by Fae. Okay, children of the blessed. I know, like, well, I'm so afraid. From living in that area, Farah knows the prejudice against Fae that humans have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how scary that would be for most of them. Aside maybe from the children of the blessed. But you know what like, take so? me! Humans still think that Fae can't lie. Yeah, that's a thing. Oh, I forgot about that. So you would think if Rhysand's here and he's saying there's a war coming, I need to win you winnow you away for safety, you think that they'd be like, oh, thank you, because they think that Faye can't lie. Or they would at least think about it before absolutely shutting it down. Yeah. They would have that moment of pause because there were a lot of people that instantly were like, no, get away from me. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, though, because I think maybe they had a hard time deciphering who is good Faye and who is bad Faye. But if they don't think that Faye can lie and you're saying I'm a good Faye and I'm going to bring you to safety, why would there still be an immense amount of panic? Maybe they think it's 
omitting the truth a little bit. Like maybe they think, oh, they're only telling us this much, but there could be more that they're not telling us. I don't think the humans understood the dire situation. Like if I was woken up in the middle of no, living in the middle of nowhere to these random people being like, you need to leave, not understanding that the protection of my life was gone. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't need to go anywhere. Like we're fine. Oh, Stupid humans. The one good thing that happens right before the battle is that Farah and Moore kiss and make up. This is so well, dumb. <laughs> I, I really wish and you it, hadn't used those words yeah, for that. This is the <laughs> Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. I like but Moore likes it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, you know what makes me the most mad about this? All of it? All of it, yes. <laughs> all of it. Um, I hated that Moore gave in to Feyre's immaturity. I think that's where I'm at, is Feyre should not have been invasive and demanding this completely, I don't want to say random, but for her to justify her stupid actions because Moore is going through her own stuff. And then for Moore to be like, okay, I'll tell you what's what what's the deal with me and Asriel. It may, that's what makes me upset. You know what? There's so much that makes me upset. I understand that... <laughs> It's so, it's such a, mm, it's so cheap. It's such a cheap way, like, I don't even know how else to explain it. It's just a cheap throw-in to fix a problem in this story. Moore is like, well, I was afraid of telling even the inner circle because I was afraid my family would find out and they would do more things to me and bring more shame and stuff. And it totally just kind of makes you rethink about how close the inner circle actually is then. Because they're all supposed to be so intertwined and so, like, knit together. And also, if you really care about Azrael, he's been pining over you for so long. I already have my feelings about him not getting a hint and just letting it go and yeah. being entitled yeah. to her. But now you've got this, I'm not even comfortable telling my closest friends that I'm bi. And also, oh, just coming from someone who is bi, that was literally the dumbest way to come out. It was, that is not how people come out. At least, I don't want to speak for every bi person out there. Teach their own. But like, to each their own. But that is just like textbook what straight people think bi people do when they come out. (laughs) It does feel like that, doesn't it? Because it is. (laughs) It is. Let me just, because I agree overall. I agree. I don't like, this is definitely a pivot to I think the plot that As and Moore are supposed to be mates and I actually still think that they are based on this because what I think Sarah J Mass was trying to do because I I initially Moore's my favorite character in this series I was really disappointed Moore like disappears from this book like onwards so I'm like really disappointed in the way she was executed but I listened to this section instead of read it and the way that it came out in the audiobook recording is that what started as a little white lie to get Az off her back by sleeping with Cassian over Az has spiraled into a 500-year lie is the way that it... And I still agree that it's cheap. I don't like the way it's executed, but I don't... I think I have a little bit more sympathy for more than I did initially, but I still don't like it because I because she clearly set up more and Az to be mates and I still think they are, but she is bi. She's just not mm-hmm. in love with him like that. And I think that's why he keeps hovering. But the frustrating thing is, like, I... It's not that I don't have sympathy for her being bi and, like, the little white lie and all of that stuff. 
it's just how this was such a flop. Yeah. The whole situation, why she brought up that she was yeah. bi was because of this dumb argument and then bringing up Azrael and just this could have been a side story in itself learning a little bit more about more and this could have been tied earlier into the series when we learn about her history mm. i don't understand why it had to be brought up right now and because they got into a fight i think it's so stupid it's so dumb and it it totally deflated a lot of people's sympathy for more in this situation because it is hard to come out as anything yeah like it's it's very difficult and especially to your close family and friends i understand that but like to do it to this person that you've only known for so long because you got into a petty fight but you can't even tell the person that you've known for 500 years it just was so dumb yeah and i would understand if maybe this could have been a point where maybe there was like a lowdown secret where Azrael actually knew and he was just protecting more and maybe that's why he hovered and people misconstrued it but he didn't want to tell anyone that she was by because of like respecting for her like there could have been so much more depth to the story and it was literally how a straight person views by people coming out i get that vibe i get that vibe from this the like, consult a bi person or like someone in the lgbt community <laughs> Uh, Swag, didn't you say that at the time Sarah J. Mass was receiving pressure because she didn't have someone who was... I can't confirm that, but I, I definitely heard... I can't unsee it now. So yeah. I while I can't confirm it, I've heard that. And you can see the stark difference between more and Azrael's relationship in Court of Mist and Fury and the immediate pivot with the inclusion of not only people of color, but also the LGBTQ community in book three. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, this is also, isn't this when we find out about Sam's partner? And Nafel is also a lesbian. Mm -hmm. So we have, this is our third, they're jam packed in here. Like (laughs) this is our third gay couple. Well, gay or bi or that lgbtq like don't get me wrong i'm so for inclusivity but if you're gonna do it at least do it right or thoughtfully you know talk right. talk to some people in the community right. before you write about the community mm-hmm. yeah you'd think <laughs> meet the community yeah. <laughs> like, maybe meet one person who's in the community, community. <laughs> and ask them, like maybe ask them what their coming out story was just to see i don't know it just <sighs> yeah Anyway. And it, yeah, it just kind of, it cheapens Moore's overall character. Yeah, it really does because she, she is such a strong character. And there's also this beautiful dynamic between her, Cassian, and Azrael. And all of a sudden now she just seems kind of, I don't want to say selfish because I don't think it's selfish for someone not to come out, but it just seems very well, weird. Also, we don't really know what the attitude is uh, towards the lgbtq in this world yeah it's kind of spotty it seems like yeah i think it's kind of similar to the u.s you have your cities or you have your courts you have your communities but it's kind Mm. of 50 50 on whether it's whole accepted as a whole i think yeah um it's also um god what was i about to say it like went through my head that like really bothered me about it i don't like the helion part of this if she supposedly is bi but prefers women, which that's like, that's not an issue inherently. 
but she looked miserable after sleeping with Helion. That just like yeah, it's it seems very more like weird she's lesbian. But you know what it is? It's that cheap writing. It's like oh, I have to cover this up where she wants her to be a lesbian, but she's already wrote all these things that Maura's done in the past books. Right, and I think that's because like when when we were making our notes and talking about it, we kept saying lesbian, 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 even though she identifies as bi. Yeah. Well, and she she very clearly was like I get pleasure from men, but I prefer women, and like yeah, same here. But are like. Mine's like, I prefer men, but I get pleasure from women and stuff. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just like, I don't know. But she clearly didn't from Helion. And that just like, I, I guess that disconnect of it, of that action and then that description is what's throwing me off and also cheapening this coming out story for me. Yeah. Uh, it all so just seems so weird. Yeah. And not weird that she's bi. It was just so poorly written. I would have also been okay if we didn't do this in this book. Like, if we're like, I would have been okay if this didn't be addressed. This is very, this feels very slapdash. Yeah, like, like this could have been part of Moore's story. Yeah. Later on, if you needed to write it in, she could have taken the time to write it. She, like Lucian, I feel like in this specific book, have become the answers to unresolved questions. Ooh, more in Lucian. I kind of like that idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, even how Lucian, we'll talk about it throughout the section where he conveniently, you know, he conveniently comes with Vasa, who also happens to be with Dad, and, like, Draken and Miriam and stuff, and more conveniently solves her problem that everyone's been wondering about by just coming out as bi mm -hmm. and stuff. It's just, <laughs> it's okay. You, okay, uh, just to play devil's advocate, if Sarah J. Mass were to have kept this fight between Feyre and more ma taking out the Asriel bit what would it have been about would it have just like ruined that whole storyline like no they should have gotten over their shit in the battle gotten over their fight in the battle when like one of them was about to die well the problem is is more had the upper hand in this fight that they that was precipitated by this because Rhysand yeah. was being a self sorry not Rhysand favorite was being self-serving self sacrificial asshole. Um, <laughs> um, but I think Sarah J. was like, well, we can't have, we can't have Feyre be, like, we can't have Feyre be the- Not liked. Yeah, not liked and the enemy in this, even though she did something stupid. Um, so we're just gonna throw this in Moore's direction because we really want to know what Moore's deal is. And Why I, did she do that again? I already forgot what her reasoning it's was. It's because Feyre told Moore, like, oh, go run off and fight. Oh, we'll and Moore fine. Yeah. Sorry, I have an idea of how she should have written it. Oh, go ahead. Um, so how she should have written it was in the battle, Feyre saying more to stay right here and more goes off and does the thing, like does something that puts her in danger and Feyre loses it. And then more turns around and is like, oh, so you don't like it. When I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it could have been something like that. Yeah. And then the buy stuff could have come way later, but it yeah. should have happened in the battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. Where it was like, where Feyre like looking for the cauldron with Amran and all of a sudden more's like, she looks over and more's like next to the cauldron or whatever. Like there could have been some thing yeah. like that to just be like see Farah, <laughs> see how you like it yeah <laughs> okay. been it funny but i, I have, love that <laughs> i have a question though about one last thing about more sexuality before we move on she mentions that her first lover was human yes and a queen mm -hmm. so 
her lover, her her lover's descendant is Vasa, right? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy to me. Oh. Oh, you didn't get that? No. Yeah, I, I wanted to double check. I didn't that. catch that. I wanted to make sure that I, like, I didn't catch it the first time I read it either. And then rereading, I was like, oh, she's referencing Vasa, that she sees the spirit of her lover in that descendant. <laughs> I think that was a little fun call out because um, Mort does not name Vasa by name in that section, just the golden haired one. And I wanted to confirm. Wait, 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 wait. The golden haired one, wasn't that the pretty young one? That's Vasa. Mm-hmm. No, but that wasn't the same. That was. <laughs> the one who was beheaded? Yeah. Wasn't she the golden haired one? I could have sworn that it was her and they brought her back through the Yeah, I thought they brought her back. Yeah, she was brought back. From the, uh, they brought her back through the cauldron. No, there was another one who went in the cauldron and turned into an to old a, lady. But that's not Vasa. Uh, what? <sighs> that was just one of the vain queens. Who wanted... There was another queen that <gasps> Vasa was the one <gasps> trying to six stop queens. it all. So over the top. I'm sorry. <laughs> Vasa was the one that was trying to help the Fae the whole time. But Vasa was not at the meeting. No. She was at the first meeting, not the second one. She wasn't at the second one because she was beheaded. That was the one that Moore said hi to when she went up to was Vasa? No. No. It's okay, Cart. There's a lot of queens to keep track of. I don't... Okay, okay, well, I'll get into this. Vasa came to the first human meeting. She did? Yeah. I thought they said that one queen didn't come. She was sick. That was the second time. They said she was sick, but when they got back to Valaris and the adder attacked, that's when they dropped her body there. When that was Vasa? Yeah, and they and then they put her in the cauldron and brought her back as punishment. Oh. There's that realization. <laughs> that was Vasa? Yes. Damn. Okay. She's been through the ringer. Poor kid. <laughs> All right. Did not catch that. No. (laughs) (laughs) There's six of them. Come on, give me a break, man. There's like a hot one, an old one, a golden haired. (laughs) The the dead one that's now alive. The dead one that's alive. The live one that's super old. Like, (laughs) but looks or like feels young. Fuck. (laughs) So after spending the evening saving as many humans and sending them to the summer court to Adriata, uh, the night before the battle, Farah decides to pull one more trump card out of her behind to try to help them win the war. What does she do? The Ouroboros. 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 The Ouroboros. That is the trump card. <laughs> the trump card. Homegirl does it. I have another question because I have seen, so in the Ouroboros, she sees this like beast. So it's pretty much making her see every end of herself, good, bad, ugly. And she's like having this traumatic moment about Mm -hmm. it, but she survives it and like no one else has. The beast that she personifies is her like inner, because that's essentially what it is, right? The beast is like her inner person, her inner demon, her deepest, darkest secrets. I think I know where you're going with this. The fan I've seen Loki looks like Tamlin. I was just gonna say that. I, I haven't seen it. It's like this sort oh, you of see that too. Yeah, right? it was the color, but, but a, a little, little bit different. Of like Resand too. Some of his like beast like features. It's really interesting. I felt that it was slightly more feline, which is where yes. I got the like the Resand. I'm sorry, the Resand sort of characteristics. Yeah. 
but I did think of Tamlin. I, I did the first, like, it, but it, to me, it almost was like a bobcat or like a yes. mountain lion, something like that. But but with those sort of characteristics, the yeah. like horns and stuff that. Yeah, the horns and, and the, the claws. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. I what I pictured it as. Yeah. I pictured it as her in animal form as the hunter in the winter from the first book. Like, as if she were the one, like a beast hunting the wolf. Like, whatever could take down that type of wolf, I feel like it was all-encompassing. Yeah, I mean, I th- and essentially that's what it looks like. If you see it, like, you can I've look up fan that. art. It's really interesting, because I instantly thought of Tamlin when I saw that. Which is interesting, because I think, to an extent, like, her love of Tamlin brought out what she thought was the best, but also the worst of her in killing that that fae, like, mm-hmm. right off the bat in the first couple chapters of the first book. And <laughs> what? It literally looks like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. No, it does Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> Are we surprised? No. Full circle on the Beauty and the Beast theme in this series? Never. So, yeah, I definitely think that that beast is a mix of her it's interesting. important lovers, but... It's interesting. Well, and Tamlin... She changed a lot and she grew a lot with Tamlin. She also wouldn't be who she was without oh, Tamlin. Yeah. Can I just throw this out there as we're talking on the subject? Mm-hmm. I'm sad that Fairy's identity is pretty much just her trauma from <laughs> Tamlin and now her like re like re love reuniting with Reese and and that's like all she's known for. You know, t- Feyre reminds me. There's this scene in Parks and Rec. Yes. Oh no, I was gonna talk about Anne. I was gonna talk about Anna and um Yes, from Parks and Rec. Yeah, and oh, what's her last name? Jeez. Well, Anne um, from Parks and Rec. And there's that scene where uh, she talks about like how she's adopted all of her boyfriend's personalities. Like she had the cowboy phase and the flannel Andy phase and the and the exercise. Yeah, that is Feyre. So after, you know, Feyre thinks she has her ace in the hole for this fight, they are ready to go. Well, no. Oh. Ouroboros. Yeah, we should wrap up on that. Yeah, the Ouroboros is a request from the Bone Carver. She gives it to the Bone Carver, and he's like, psych, I never really needed it. I just wanted to make sure that you could do this and that you were worth saving. Saving, because, you know. And she gets all mad about it, and I'm like, girl, like, honestly, can... I mean, she can, because she's so petty, but can anyone blame the Bone Carver for being like, I don't know if this chick can do it. Was, but she was like literally coming back to her body. She spent hours dealing with that beast. So if I was like reliving every trauma in my life, this guy's like, JK, I didn't need it. I mean, I'd be mad. Too. Sam, we did just spend like 900 pages dealing with Farrah's pettiness. I feel like we deserved this. <laughs> we deserved to see her like vomiting and crying for an hour. And we just needed her just like, to take a good long look at herself. I really don't hate Farrah. I'm no. Just, I'm sorry. She's just really super annoying. I think, I think ultimately with Feyre is there is something relatable about her. There is these tendencies we all have and struggle with that we can see in Feyre. But it bothers me because she like, Nesta is one of the most annoying characters in the entire season, but she knows she's annoying and just owns up to it. Feyre's like, I'm not annoying. I'm a high lady. (laughs) You're like, shut up, (laughs) Feyre. 
She she certainly is leaning into her new role for yeah. sure, but she fell into it. She yeah. like body slammed, yeah. WrestleMania moved. Yeah, she's like <laughs> jumped off the top. She's like, of these are my people. These are my ears. Deal with it. Like, <laughs> it's like you've been here for two minutes. You've been calm here down. two minutes, girl. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> she like made it to the front of the line. Were you guys? And is like, this is my time. <laughs> were you guys expecting I was uh, the bone carver to be a different body when he came onto the field I was kind of expecting him to still be the little kid honestly I and was just sad and like whooping ass I as know. a little kid I was kind of sad that he was tied to a fey body because I think it's so interesting about him is that everyone sees him as like they would see him and so I think it'd be really cool if instead of attaching him to a fey body if we were able to get different points of view and someone looks up and they're like, why is so-and-so fighting this person? They're like, oh, it's the bone carver. And I think it would have been a more strategic, tactical move from a military standpoint to see, like, if you were to see, like, a little kid or, that like, was my thought. a dead family member, like, yeah. walking up to you and you're like, what's happening? And then... <laughs> Dawn, yeah, yes. no one's gonna recognize this random right. fake body. And everyone's yeah. gonna see it differently, and some people are gonna react to it. Like, can you imagine like the the Highburn army and then just some dude like named Chad? <laughs> like, yeah. like, why am I gonna be afraid of this guy? He's wearing a freaking fedora. Like, and then he murders everybody. And then he murders everybody. Another missed good writing plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yes, yeah. W- w- you think it should have been the kid? I think it should have been what people see the bone carver as. I don't think he should have been tied to a fake body. Yep. Yeah. That would have been like it would really have changed great. per person. Because also, I'm just going to throw this out there. We obviously knew they were going to win the battle. Mm-hmm. We knew this. Right. But it seemed like everything just... Because they get to the battlefield and Feyre's like, Rhysand, I just wanted to let you know I've been thinking about what I should get you for our mating gift. Surprise, glamour, bone carver, Briaxis. And he's like, oh, sweetie, you beat me to the punch. Boom, Weaver. And you're like, okay. It's almost an assumption I made because Feyre led Ianthe and the guards into the Weaver's cottage. Like, in my head, that meant that the Weaver is on board. Yeah, I, same like, here. Yeah. And Rhysand's like, by the way, I did this. It's like, like, no, no, no favor did. she did that. Yeah, no. Like, I mean, and, like, even, you want to talk about, what is your writing? Um, some way that she could have written it was, like, so Feyre spent all this time at the Ouroboros, and if they started the battle without Feyre, that would have been really cool Feyre coming last minute, and she's, like, exhausted and defeated because she's just had to look at her innermost like demons and then all of a sudden halfway through the battle she doesn't even know if the bone carver because he could have left her at that final word where like i didn't even know if you were worth saving or whatever and not know that he's coming and then he shows up Mm -hmm. and she's surprised by it and she's like oh you know what i mean like it just was too predictable yeah yeah Yeah, i think so so she goes to arbor she comes back um and then we do just go straight to battle. Yeah, like pretty much. And Rhysand's <clears throat> like, I love all of you guys and blah, 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 blah. I would have waited a thousand years for you to have this time. Oh, yeah. That uh, was such a sad. Oh, it, it, was, sad. it was nice. It was nice. It was I nice. I loved it. It was very sweet. You saps. <laughs> we are. I'm ready for battle. Yeah, girl. Let there be blood. Surprise, everybody dies. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so they picked this huge grassy green area to battle it out on. Hybern did. Well, when I say they, I mean Hybern. Um, but like, 
so they're in this grassy field and they're each just kind of standing. And it reminds me of Civil War times where they all just like stood there staring at each other, waiting for one person to shoot or scream something. Or the cannons going first. Yeah. yeah. And like the drummer or something. They send one drummer <laughs> boy out and he gets shot. And then it's like, battle, let's go. Oh my um, gosh. But they have these shields up. And so all of the High Lords are just shooting the shield with all of this power, trying to break it down. And that's when is like, Honey, I have a present for you. The shield breaks and boom, Bone Carver was glamored. So was Braxius. Mm-hmm. And then Briaxis. And then mm-hmm. Rhysand's like, oh, I had a favor too. Boom. Weaver. Weaver. <laughs> that you technically got, but I'm going to take credit for. Weaver, can you see her? <laughs> um, yeah, great, great mating gifts. Hopefully they'll survive. I mean, they do, but like... <laughs> what was a what a weird mating gift but you know what to each his own they're they're both weirdos you know i think this battle should be called the great reveal because it really is just oh look here's this oh look here's this oh my lord here's this like it's happening oh my gosh this is not a well-written battle sequence which is so crazy Mm -hmm. because i had the opposite reaction to throne of glass i know right? right (laughs) <laughs> I love that we said at the same time. But like, so if I could not have imagined, because I read it out of order, I did pretty much Akatar and Crescent City in tandem and Throne of Glass came later. So I remembered like, and Throne of Glass is much more like that epic, like story and like battle heavy compared to Akatar. So I was like, yes. And I was like, or when I saw the battles coming up, I was like, ooh, I was like, if this is anything like Akawar, like this is going to be rough. Yeah. But it was so good. And I'm like, why was this not what it was happening in the Akatar series in Akawar? I got screwed because I read Crescent City book one first, Throne of Glass, then Akatar. So I already had the epic battle at the end of Crescent City book one, and then Throne of Glass. And now I'm here. (laughs) No, Crescent City was dope. That was really dope. Well, yeah, I guess I read Crescent City first, then most of Akatar, Crescent City two, then the rest of Akatar. So, yeah, but, yeah, I, like, this book just dragged for me. Even the fight battle at Adriata and stuff was really slow for me. And Throne of Glass was just so good. I just don't understand why that didn't carry over. Yeah, I don't understand. And it's crazy because there was so much stuff going into this battle. Yeah. I don't understand. Okay, we should just go ahead and get into the battle. So, pretty much in the battle, the shield goes down and... All hell breaks loose now that Briaxis, the Bone Carver, and the Weaver are going. Hybrid's kind of shaking in his little boots. And the first, I want to say, the first victory is kind of on their side, Feyre and Rhysand, because the High Lords are dominating, the Illyrian warriors are going up, they've got the three unnatural beast creature things that are just, like, annihilating uh, the Highburn army. And when I say Highburn army, he has more beasts on his side, like the Ador. He has like the Naga there. Bogies. Bogies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just kind of going down. And then all of a sudden, Feyre, Amran, and Nesta, their job is to find the cauldron through this battle. And then to their game plan is that when everything kind of reaches its peak in battle and Highburn's super distracted, they will go out and find it and use it to win the battle. The formate Fae, right? So the, yeah. the original plan was Feyre, the, the Archeron sisters, and Amrin were yeah. going to do it to try to even out the power so that no one was... Because it almost killed Feyre the first time she yeah. touched it. Right. 
Um, but that's not how it happens, is it? <laughs> no. Well, and so the first kind of loss that they experience is Hybern pulls out the cauldron and it just sends destruction and its path. And Nesta kind of calls it beforehand and tells Cassian, oh, it's kind of sweet. Um, yeah, Nesta and Elaine, Nesta specifically, but Elaine are also are affected by the use of the cauldron. Mm-hmm. They feel it, specifically Nesta, and she saves Cassian. Um, and yeah, like she can incapacitates them. She can kind of feel it coming. Mm-hmm. Elaine's like vomiting and stuff. And so this is the first, I, I'm, I'm going to call it throughout the battle wins and losses, like victories yeah. and losses. This is the first loss to Rhysand and Feyre because they just lost a lot of people. This is also when the bone carver dies, which. Mm-hmm. Questionable. Questionable. Cause I didn't think he could die. That's a discussion for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers here, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced. A lot of would people. really die. He was very his his fascination about the afterlife makes me wonder if it's actually an afterlife or if it is something bigger than himself. Like almost like a metamorphosis, possibly. Or like going in back into his original world or something like that. There's yeah. there's so much talk later on of different worlds and mm-hmm. tears in the universe. And one thing that we should also know that. Just a reminder, in case you forgot, because I did, that if the cauldron breaks, that is what their world is tied to. So if the cauldron breaks, their world breaks, and they will no longer exist. Mm -hmm. Just a little side note, if you forgot, I did. Easy to forget. Um, Important for the rest of this section. (laughs) Very important that the cauldron doesn't break. Right. But, luckily, Sarah J. Mass really loves happy endings so the the things that she has already stated cannot happen or if they happen detriment will happen is all a lie because things that can't die die things, things that, that should break, die don't, don't die, die. Six, six. it's fine <laughs> i'm not mad much. But you're not happy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, we should mention how during all of this, Rhysand has grounded, quite literally, Asriel from battle because he was so badly hurt. The first round of it all. No, no. so his wounds predominantly were from being attacked, getting oh, a lane. that's what it was. Yeah, yes. that's why he couldn't fly. That's but he could do combat. I will never, and my, the podcast episodes show that I can't keep track of which bad boy's wings are in shreds in it. <laughs> <laughs> they both get, they both get bad. It's, it's back and forth. Dude, it's just like, I like, I hate to think about it this way because of the whole like wings being so sensitive and it's just like, <laughs> so people keep stomping on their dicks like nobody's business. It's like instead of kicking them in the balls, like, no, I'm going she for the arrow. wings. Like, <laughs> They will dash air through the wing. <laughs> it's always like, no, they're metaphorical penises. No! Because <laughs> that's always what I think, no matter what's like, oh, well, yeah, wingspan and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, because it's like, because Resand talks about how sensitive they are. Like, more sensitive than testicles, I guess. But okay, whatever. Don't talk about the bad boys like that. Oh, feelings. <laughs> They are more sensitive. They are sensitive babies. Yeah, they are big, Illyrian sensitive, babies. fatty babies. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all I can think about. I'm just getting their dick stomped. 
call him. So Reese and then Azrael were duking it out over whether he could fly or not. And Reese and fighting about one of his top warriors not going to battle. What? What's he gonna I do? Like I feel like he spends most of his time telling his warriors not to fight. What <laughs> so type of high lord? What himself. Like what type of high lord looks at all of his top commanders? Like you know what? You should set this yeah. one out. It's like I'm no. pretty sure it said no lord ever. <laughs> like all the other people fighting and giving the lives, they're gonna be totally cool with you sitting up here playing your Game Boy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But uh, before Azriel departs. He entrusts Elaine with Truth Teller, which is his little, little, little dagger sword mm-hmm. thingy. <laughs> and it never misses its target, allegedly. Allegedly. So, so the, but Sarah uh, J. Mass, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worked out allegedly in this yeah, book. <laughs> everything that you think you know is a lie. <laughs> because fairies can lie, and so can Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> So for all we know, this is just a kitchen knife. Like, yeah. <laughs> or like Amarin with Pharaoh when she gave her the jewels and was like, this will give you the power to do this. And she comes back. She's like, yeah, it actually didn't do anything. It's you just, had the, it's you just had the power all along. It's a necklace that was re-gifted to me. <laughs> like something else that will be re-gifted later on. <laughs> Azrael. Azrael. <laughs> <laughs> work on that cough spuds <laughs> anyway so they they suffer their first loss with the cauldron and then they have a win because baron from the autumn court and his armies tamlin from the summer court and his armies it's and jurian from the humans all come at the same time tamlin's a spring court though oh my god whatever who cares dude i would just see tamlin with like two guys like <laughs> yeah. half a ship and they're like they're like these skinny interns like <laughs> Barely through basic training. <laughs> Jurian coughs, his eye pops out, he has to pop it back in. <laughs> Reporting for duty, sir. sir. <laughs> so with Grayson. So we got the humans. That's not going to do any good in these magic fights. But you know what? Numbers. <laughs> that's all I need. Can't hurt. And we're pretty pissed at Grayson. So if he dies in this, that's cool. Um, <laughs> for Elaine. And then Hyburn's army comes on the water. And that's a loss. But then... Draken and Miriam, who we've never met before, come on the battle with their dad, who's been missing this whole time at work, making bear things. (laughs) The Archeron dad, making bear things, got three ships plus an armada. <laughs> and and Miriam and Dracon. And Miriam and Dracon. And Lucian. And Vasa. Who would have thought that all those people would come at the same time? I feel like this this whole battle just went from like high highs and low lows. Like, no, we're losing. This is not going to work. Oh, great. There's more people. Oh, we're losing. We're losing. We're going to die. Oh, I remember the first show of the Bone Carver and the Weaver and Braxius being there and being like, oh, this is so epic. And then when like Baron and Tamlin and Jurian got there, I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then when their dad got there, I was like, come on, Sarah J. Mass. <laughs> I know, dude. This is not realistic at all. No, it was so. Save like, him for another battle. Like, where the hell is her, their dad getting like an entire 
navel because he's rich from tamlin and bear figurines like we don't really know what the hell he's been doing for the past what three months this is the father who's literally done absolutely nothing for these girls and all of a sudden is coming back to repay his duty just to get murdered and And then all of a sudden nesta forgives him not only is daddy archeron he arrives and his i'm sorry gift is naming the three lead ships after the daughter. Oh, so wow. there's an Elaine. Being a, a, like deadbeat dad. Dude, I'm so glad there. that you came to battle. There's an Elaine, a Feyre, who's not even at the front. It's the Nesta that's at the front where her dad is at. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think that was her dad's way of being like, I know I, I screwed up. And oh, 100%. I know you hate me. I hope this <laughs> I feel like he should apologize to Feyre the most. She actually... Yeah. yeah. Like, how... I'm like, sorry, if I was Feyre, like the high lady of the court. Hey, your ship's way in the back, man. What's... You're fighting with my army, the high lady over mm-hmm. here. So funny. You know, you know, I was rooting for Daddy Archeron to be some somehow tied to Highburn. And like, how so? Side. I don't know. I was rooting for that. Oh! Yeah, like, I, when I was reading the book, I was like, I have this suspicious feeling that Daddy Archeron is, like, plotting with Highburn or doing something because he's always going away and he wants nothing to do with his daughters. Mm-hmm. So I honestly was texting Sam all the time reading it, and I was like, I just got a bad feeling about Daddy Archeron. And then when he came here, I was so disappointed. <laughs> that would have been really interesting. I know. I should write a book or something. <laughs> that would have been really, really interesting. Because, I mean, it is it is weird, and maybe this is just an oversight for Sarah J. Mass, where it's, like, I don't know what to do with this character, uh, and I, but I can't have him interfering, so I'm just going to send him off, and we're not going to worry about and him until we need... bring him back at a pivotal moment. Back up. <laughs> and then kill him. You know what it is? It's this whole, like, family reunion type thing that's happening in the middle of the battle and it's so cliche yeah also i just assumed that this battle would be numerous battles Mm. and i feel like the only other battle that we've really had with hyburn that we've experienced was the attack on volaris well in adriata in adriata but we weren't even really there for that i mean we yeah that was just kind of we were there and then and then feyre astral projected into resan's brain so or (laughs) mine we were there and then we weren't and it was over (laughs) so yeah it wasn't like a true battle for us that we experienced And it so, just seems weird for the buildup of this book. Right. Yeah. We talked about this, Sam. It's just, it, it's not my favorite battle sequence I've What's ever read. Also, how many chapters is this? Like, the It's like seven or eight. It's a lot. Oh, I was going to say that's nothing for an actual battle. You know what I mean? Like, in the grand scheme of how, this book is 82 chapters mm-hmm. and the battle takes up seven. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's all jam-packed. It it it, it does it does feel very feels rushed. Compressed. Yeah, it does. yeah, absolutely. I feel like what Sarah J Mass is doing is she's like trying to open up all of these doors so she has them to pull forward in the future. So we got Drake and Miriam, we've got Vasa, we've got Lucian back and Jurian. Like we have all of these potential things that we can do. So you know what's so interesting? Yeah. I read it the complete opposite that she was closing oh. all these doors. Oh, I read it. So that she could move on. Rereading it, I see it as open doors. I, yeah. That that was my thing. It's like, okay, I need some new content because I ain't gonna follow Feyre's gray ass. Like I'm I'm gonna 
I want a lot of possibilities and openings mm-hmm. for the next things because this is running a little stale. She has a bad habit of writing herself into a corner. Where, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Especially with relationships. And she does it very quickly. Resan and Feyre are already at this stage where we're kind of bored with them. And she ruined the mystique around more. But yeah, she has a bad habit of getting into these corners and then she's like, okay, I gotta rip up, oh, I gotta open up all these windows and we're gonna just have all these possibilities <laughs> and open. And everything that I said couldn't happen in the past and all these rules. Right. I'm break all of them. All of that. I think with That's the end of this the book. the rules that she made. Right. With the end of this book, she broke all the rules. And it, yeah. and it really bothered me because it just was like, oh, I can do what I want on the author. Not that, not that she has that ego about her, but. And just wasn't creative and unbreaking the rules. Right. Yeah. Like a play on words, be like, oh, I said this, like, fall, like, stay with the high lord. That was a perfect way to yeah. break the rule. Yeah. All of these other ones broke and you're kind of like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, so let's, let's move forward to get to that point. So Daddy Archeron arrives and this whole time, we have to remember that the original plan was for the, the Archeron sisters and Amarin to sneak to the cauldron to distract while right. there's a distraction. Well, all these surprise people popping <laughs> up is a great distraction. Mm-hmm. But Elaine's kind of incapacitated. And then on the flip side, Anessa is too, to an extent. Vanessa comes up with an idea to distract Hyberg further and play bait with Cassie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which, which is cool. No that one was happy with. <laughs> Everyone was really upset, including me. But they favorite. just were like, "Look, dude, you got any better ideas?" Or he's just like, "Um, never mind. We're going." So, <laughs> Asriel's Asriel's given the cue to fly since Cassian's gonna go run off and play baits. Right. So, well, or just and it's just Amran and Feyre. Yeah, just Amran and Feyre, while Cassian and Nesta go off to distract right. specifically. So. Amran and Feyre make their way to the other side where the... And have to trek up a cliff. A cliff, yeah, to get to the cauldron. Um, on their way up there, they see that the weaver has um, has made her way to Highburn somehow. Yeah, and she's kind of slowed down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. tired. So, and, you know... And carrying the army. I was kind of thinking, because there's this... I don't know, I don't want to say it's romantic, but he's, like, really admiring her for a minute. Like, oh, you're one beautiful creature or something like that. She's also like, just dripping in blood from yeah. her mouth and stuff, which is all the stuff Hybern loved. Just yeah. these beastly, evil creatures. Well, and by consuming all those people, she's she's reverse-aging herself, too. So who knows how young Oh, beautiful. I didn't even and, like, think, think about else. that. Yeah, so who knows, like... She is probably in this youthful form that nobody has, like, truly witnessed because people probably know better than to go to the Weaver's Oh, my gosh. Cottage. What if she's, like, a child? Oh, oh like, some, uh, like, 14-year-old? Okay. Oh, that's not what I was imagining, but all right. Well, I, I didn't until you said youthful, but mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. Yeah, is it some, like, like... old craggy old lady and her little spindle? She ate a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> that's what like I'm... some Benjamin Button <laughs> bullshit. She's, like, <laughs> crawling up the hill. Yeah, she's a <laughs> baby. Goo goo ga I'm just a baby. <laughs> okay. How many memes can we bring up in this one? All um, of them. But yeah, Hibern uh, kills her. Well, we don't know that actually because she is a death god, and they he made snaps her neck. They first. made an, they, he he snaps her neck, which wouldn't kill her. And Sarah J. Mass notes that in the book, but she gets thrown to the Naga. the, the Naga and torn apart. So we don't know 
what that would do to a death god. I'm told gods are immortal. I watched Hercules as a kid, so <laughs> I don't really know how that works. So you have an education. Yeah, I have. I have a. I have an. I have a formal education. <laughs> and then again, with like the bone carver, is he really dead? Even though he like dis- disintegrated into a, like a pu- puff of smoke, like which. I think it would be pretty hard to come back from. Yeah. So likewise, being torn to little bits and pieces by a beast. Yeah, but these things were also not always attached to a physical form. That's like I would just assume that they become like Braxius, just shadows. Yeah, just shadows. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I'd 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 fall for that. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder, we don't really know this, but I wonder what uh Resan's uh what what Resan's pact was with the weaver because oh. we don't know what he gave her to come to come yeah so we're getting close to the cold on amarin and Feyre just saw the weaver go and highburn is being lured by nesta and cassian, nesta and cassian. so amarin opens up the book and she's like Feyre you should take hold of the cauldron now. So Farrah's holding on. It's very painful and difficult. We learned that in uh in Miss and Fury. Yeah, Miss and Fury. And and, uh, <laughs> and then and then Amber just shuts the book and is like, sorry. <laughs> don't don't be mad, okay? <laughs> I'm still mad for you, Farrah. I was pissed. Really? I thought it was kind of funny. I'm still annoyed. I think honestly, just, you know what it is. I think you're just mad at favor. No, I loved it because it was the one point that I didn't expect coming. So instead of duking it out with Amarin, Feyre astral projects and she's kind of watching everything. I don't think she has a choice. Yeah, like the sort of she's the like, cauldron uh, sort yeah. of takes her soul, body, consciousness, whatever, and she's seeing everything. So she's seeing resand flex his monstrous like true self and he's all claws and badass and helium too i think all the high lords sort of go through their own transformations tamlin turns into his furry beastie mode and and whatnot and then of course <laughs> jurian is <laughs> is fighting with draken on the field in the middle of the battle, like some their own personal squabble. They're literally on the same side, but they just have to finish out this 500-year-old, like, like, blood feud. Hey, bud, sup? All right, let's do this. So, like, <laughs> been waiting for you. I wonder what Miriam's doing, like. I think she was part of that. She was fighting Jurian? Maybe not in that mm-hmm. moment, but I was under the impression that she joined in or was aware of it, at least. I'm sure she was aware of it. I don't remember her presence. My gut was saying she was part of it, but now I don't know. Mm-hmm. So. This is so interesting. So the cauldron was looking for Nesta because it's angry at Nesta for taking from her or from it. it? Yeah. From them. Um, but it like adores Elaine. It's weird. And it wants to give Elaine more. Like all the like the rest of the Artron family, it's baby and protect Elaine the entire time. Sam just sent me a TikTok uh, that this girl did about she, predominantly she talked about Elaine's character development. Yeah, and there and she basically was like, "There's a reason why Elaine is this blank slate, and that's because badassery is a is is on the horizon." Oh um, yeah, but you know what? I almost appreciate it more after watching this battle because it is giving her an opening to not have to break her own rules. Right. I agree. Well, and I feel like it's paving 
you know, when we get into the ship wars, going into the next couple books, I forgot how prominent her... It's not even a relationship yet, but her dynamic with Asriel is. Yeah. Um, what I really appreciate rereading this is how, whether it's going to be a romantic relationship or platonic or whatever, I think um, seeing Azrael and Elaine together, they're very much two birds of a feather. And I'm really excited to see her evolution once, you know, now that she's a little bit more comfortable in her fey body and environment. And Asriel's, I think, really taken with Elaine, too. And that's really fun to watch. Yeah. Um, the dynamic is just yeah. refreshing compared to all the others. Because you have the fire and the passion of, like, the budding heads of, like, Nesta and Cassian. And Feyre and Rhysand, to an extent. They're a little bit of both, though. I feel like, yeah. not, or, you know, Feyre and Rhysand are kind of in the middle. Where it's the, they're, they're like, smoldering. enemies to lovers. Yeah. Well, I mean, they still were. Yeah. Enemies. But, like... Azrael and Elaine just instantly gravitated to each other. Yeah. Kind of the way the rest of them have. Yeah. You know what it is? It's because they both are mourning the loss of a love. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yes. I still wish Azrael was gay. See, that makes sense. Or bye. I I think that would make sense in this dynamic, too. I agree with you on that. Uh, If if she was going to do any character... That's, I guess, straddles the line because Asriel so mysterious. Yeah, I think I think Asriel would made would have made a lot of sense because we also really don't know much about him, right? Which is just a whole other tangent. Like I can't like that's the one I think thing that's driving me crazy that I think is going to be the downfall of these next couple books is how much fans have projected onto Asriel and Elaine, yes. and Gwen, and the opposite, and Gwen and Emery. Mm-hmm. And I know of Gwen, so. But it's so frustrating because I think, as fun as it is to theorize and like look into the dynamics and stuff, I think a lot of people are about to be really disappointed when Sarah J. Mass is like, no, this is who these people are. This is their dynamics. This is their relationships. And I'm actually, I'm really nervous about how it's all going to shake out because I think we're they- all setting our own expectations and we're not thinking i think logically the bigger picture of what's evolving yeah i, I don't think anyone's gonna be happy like i, I genuinely well, don't with whoever yeah. elaine ends up with lucian asriel and it, it's 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 kind of like with asriel and more with this with this this thing that they're just not talking about and yeah. it's been dragged out too long and but that problem was because it was dragged out way too long right but the, but it likewise you know we're now in the fourth book well we're, we're heading into the fourth book or the novella. three and a half um and we're not gonna get any resolution in that again it's just it's just gonna be like this unsaid unspoken thing if anything, I feel like this is a good learning experience for the people of the world that you will probably never end up with the person that you think you want. Yeah. Probably for a good reason. I love that. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Words of wisdom from the single From Spuds. From Spuds. <laughs> <laughs> story time with Spuds or therapy with Spuds. We'll have to come up with something. I love it. Story time with Spuds. Grow your garden with Spuds. <laughs> you know what it is? Don't plant your bad days with spuds. <laughs> <laughs> My therapist told me that all start, the time and I told him to shut up. Start a new day <laughs> with spuds. <laughs> so, back to the actual couple of the moment, Cassian and Nesta. 
I loved them. <laughs> I do too. Uh, I just love Cassian. <sighs> I want that man bun fine for me as well. You know what it is? I like their dynamic. Yeah, I do too. Because it's yeah. fun. I like how Nessa is this just formidable badass and Cassian's not threatened by her. You that just is top. You I love don't, how difficult she is. Yeah, you just She's such a brat. You just don't see that ever in 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 relationship dynamics i mean there's always that sort of brat brat tamer thing but ness is a whole other beast um (laughs) why i'm still single (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying i'm just saying headstrong i'm not saying you can't beat someone i'm just saying (laughs) that you don't often see these types of dynamics where you have two very strong very confident alpha characters who appreciate and uplift each other and we have the patriarchy and are not threat well well, like they're not competitively threatened by each other's masculinity or yeah yeah they complement yeah one has a weakness the other has the strength and that's why it works and that's why there's no inherent threats yeah because they know how to work but you know when you say that i immediately think of poppy and castile (gasps) like that is like peak like strengths and weaknesses like the perfect duo to me i do love that couple very much like that couple is just like (laughs) everything to me I still think that Ness is a little bit different from Poppy. I'm, like, but I'm just talking about that that, that relationship yeah. dynamic. Is Nessa that... has no sensitivity whatsoever. No, no. none. <laughs> she has, what's that, no bedside manner. Nope. No. No. Nope. <laughs> she never will. <laughs> nope. <laughs> never will. Like, nope. No. Oh my gosh, it should be that Pedro Pascal mail where it's like bedside manner and then you see Pedro and it's like, Nesta, <laughs> nope. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Never. This meme. <laughs> Forever and always, it will never die in my head. <laughs> um. So we're watching them with Highburn, and it's not going well. No, it's, yeah, they finally find it. Well, so when Farah is astro projecting onto the field, she finally comes across Nesta, Cassian, Highburn, and their dad. Yep, and that she actually watches Highburn kill their dad while she's astro projecting mm-hmm. snapped his neck i would play dirty because it's a battle i know but like it still was upsetting like i i don't know i thought he was gonna negotiate a little bit even if he nope. was nah never mind he's I, brutal I, I knew he was gonna backtrack he's anyway. also losing right now yeah yeah oh. he's gonna play dirty to win yeah and this is when we kind of see it's always so funny seeing like the the cauldron side of Nesta pop up randomly throughout this book, seeing those flares of that like silver flame. Uh-huh. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> uh pop up in Nesta in these moments, and we see it. After her father dies, Cassian's wings are in shreds. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. Another bat boy falling apart. <laughs> she uses some of that cauldron power for the first time. She is so close to blasting Highburn and it backfires. And she unfortunately uses all of it in one go. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we could kind of get into more detail. So when she, when Cassian says that thing, the romantic thing that happens before. I've got a, I've got a book by 
can we see it? It's so cute. I love it. I have no regrets in this life but this, that we did not have time, that I did not have time with you, Nesta. I will find you again in the next world, the next life, and we will have time. I promise. Oh, and he kissed. Oh, and they finally kiss. But uh, the king of Highburn has zeroed in on Nesta, and they say that her head tilted to the side, and all humanity just pretty much left out of her, and she just kind of went into, like, a trance almost. So Nesta takes Cassian's sword and, like, chucks it at the king of Highburn, but misses, and he comes after her, and they end up getting into this little scuffle where she ends up underneath him, but it turns out it was actually a trap that she had put because she needed him close to her, and she just unleashes this crazy white power from the palm of her hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Backs his ass up. And he dies. Well... Oh, like, uh, he, he, <laughs> I caught myself. he is, he is, uh, shook it. Yeah, shook it. <laughs> but before he can make another move on Nessa and Cassian, he get, you hear a gurgling noise and it is because Elaine has stabbed him from behind in the neck. And Boss-ass bitch move. Yeah. Which is truth teller, Asriel sword, yep. little dagger. And then, and then Nessa, being the badass that she is, she finishes, she officially beheads Highburn and then just like does a staring contest with his <laughs> face <laughs> for a minute there. And I was like, hmm, I told you I was going to get you. The fan art for that is really awesome, especially when oh, I've never it seen with, it with the pointing from the cauldron that people will do the cauldron point where she's in it at Highburn. And then the next shot will always be her holding his head, looking at him. Like, mm-hmm. I've never seen that. No, I'll have to look that up. So Love good. it. And then Feyre is then thrown back to the cauldron because Amarin's like slapping her. her and she's like wake up <laughs> and uh and then you know Farrah's like I'm gonna kill you she's like that's fine it's cool I'm gonna get in the pot anyways <laughs> and like <laughs> before the surreal dies he also tells Feyre that tells Amarin the answer lies on the second and penultimate pages of the book and that together they hold the key. When Amron returns from the camp with the stones and bones and stuff, that's when Stands Feyre says beds. <laughs> and that's when that's when Feyre discloses that information. And Amron has the book. So she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to check it out. So Feyre is still holding on to the cauldron, but she's conscious enough to have this conversation with Amron. And Amron's like, look, I'm getting in the pot. Because on that page was the unbinding spell. So that would make Amran back into her true form before she turned into a fae or committed herself into a fae to get out of the prison. So she's going to get in the pot and she's going to come out her true self. I love this for her. (laughs) Sam's glaring at me. Before she gets in, there's this very tender moment. Varian somehow caught wind of all of this and made it through a battlefield. <laughs> so sweet. I guess you could have winnowed. That made this Varian and Amron make me feel something, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, no, don't go. I love you. And she's like, you know what? I learned a thing or two about love from you. Maybe. Like, <laughs> 
so much. Such a millennial, like Gen Z reaction yeah. to love. I yeah, love. it's it Icky. is. She's like, all right, I'm so, gonna get in the cauldron just, now. Just like nose dives. Avoiding in. my feelings. They're <laughs> here. Goodbye. So she goes in. She tells Feyre uh, a chant, a spell, or something that she has to recite. Favorite does it. Amran comes out her true self. And I think we talked about this in an earlier episode about a- Amran and how we had seen a TikTok about how someone had theorized she's an archangel, which if you look at the fan art of Amran, like true Amran self, whatever, it does look very angelic. She's got wings and stuff, mm-hmm. pretty glow to her. She looks, she looks fine. <laughs> so epic. I can't remember specifically what it was, but when she was talking about her previous life, when they were going into the jail, so I'm assuming Miss and Fury, the first time, she was talking about how she was betraying either her, like, father or, like, the leader of the group. She was asking questions that she wasn't supposed to, and then she was banished, mm-hmm. which is very much kind of like a fallen angel type scenario. Yeah, very much so. Um, not, also- not having the blind faith that you're supposed to in that position. And then being trapped Yes, body. She also talks about these, like, two cities falling, which is suspected to be Sodom and Gomorrah, or Gomorrah, mm-hmm. I think is how it's pronounced. Um... And so that that was another idea or theory. Um, and she does say she like she she was around humans. She says that she's like, I've watched humans. I've seen them, you know, do all these things for each other and, and whatnot and just kind of revels in that and humanity. Um, so she goes in and we're pretty much winning the war by the aid of Amran. But then, unfortunately, through Amran's unbinding spell, she somehow cracks the cauldron and damages it. And we then find out, because Rhysan shows up, uh, that the cauldron is linked to the creation of their world. So no cauldron. We didn't just find that out. He just reminded them. Oh, okay. He reminded us that the cauldron plus Fey world without cauldron equals disaster, star collapsing in on itself. I also love how Amran coming into her true form could kill the whole world right (laughs) i love her so much that makes no sense though i i'm not even gonna get into it anyways car's broken or cracked or whatever so resan's like we could fix it i'm just not gonna tell you how so there's like poking at his mental shield he's like nope we got this it's fine we got this pharah so so she's doing the spell thingy and he's holding on to her and he's like, but, uh, just so you know, I love you. And she's like, okay, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up the spell. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing you know, Cauldron is fixed, but Resand is dead. Rip. Yeah. I have and a question. How is him sacrificing himself able to save the world? How is Amran turning into an angel breaking a cauldron that represents life and death? She's an archangel. That created an entire universe, but this one bitch can go in and crack it. <laughs> Explain that. Archangel. She came down in a bubble. <laughs> I'm gonna stab you. <laughs> this episode, I love it. So. And what's funny is that Rhysand's death is on page 666. No! Yes, you think she Why planned she that? the book at them staring at the broken cauldron? That would have been an interesting ending. It's 
the suspense. But it would ruin the Christmas story of Frost and Starlight. Oh, God. <laughs> a little cute little Christmas story. So Rhysand's dead. And you know how... You say that so happily. He's so dead. Sorry. Well, Sam. I'm happy because he comes back because Sarah J. Mass can't let go of anybody to save her life. Not in this Except book. for Daddy Archer. Well, like, you think about... <laughs> Too soon? You think about the people who did die in this book. It's, it's really, everyone but... The main people. Well, no, I mean, like, yeah, like, like, like everyone who's sing- not important. Yeah, Bone Carver, Weaver, potentially those two. Braxius has disappeared. Disappeared. Dad. Um, <laughs> is that it? I don't really know of anyone else significant who died. Hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of Illyrians and other sold unnamed soldiers. Yeah, I'm trying. I don't think anyone else significant died. Yeah. Everyone else made it out. It, I feel like she threw Daddy Archer on under the bus because she needed to call a main character, so she went with one that would hit you in the feels. It did hit me in the feels. It did. The first time I read it. This I, is, but this is also what they did in Heroes, and that's why the show suffered, because no one actually, like, they would bring died. on, they would bring on all these new characters, you get really excited, and then they literally all died by the end of the season. It was like, what was the point? They only kept the OGs. Yeah. That's a discussion for another podcast. They should have Game of Thrones didn't murdered everyone. Yeah, murdered the best person. I I know this sounds awful. I'm okay. I am okay with Reese and coming back. I am not okay with Amory coming back. Yeah, I fuck Amory. Not not that I'm mad at Amory. I am, but like I still feel emotionally. I think it would have been okay for her to have stayed dead. It doesn't make sense that she came back. Right. Yeah. That. That that's a story. Like her whole coming back is kind of a stretch for me too. But then also the way <laughs> not Jurian showing up and the dad and Miriam and Draken and every and Baron all of a sudden deciding he has a change of heart. Yeah. But, this, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm not perfect, but neither is this book, so there. <laughs> but the real issue is that there was no creativity or imagination on how to bring Rhysand back. Right. Like, the same thing for Feyre in the first book. But then didn't have the same side effects as Feyre. And I Which get is it. dumb. And I get it. So, like, to remind everybody, Rhysand comes back because all the High Lords, including Tamlin... And Pharaoh representing the Night Court, which is kind of like iffy at best if she already has a little bit of everybody, right? That's that's its own thing. Maybe Pharaoh being High Lady was the reason why she's technically Night Court, even though she's got a little bit of everything. They all had to donate a little kernel of their power to bring him back. Yeah. And hopes. It was like a false hope at this point. They didn't think it was going to work because it was a different ballpark for Rhysand than it was Feyre, but he came back. And the kicker was, he didn't take anybody's power. Can I say something? How could he know that he didn't take anybody's power? Uh, yeah, that was the first thing he's like, oh, said. I'm good. By the way, did not, did not freeload. Don't freak out, guys. Yeah. I'm me, top to bottom. <laughs> what were you going to say, Hannah? Unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. He should have died. And she should have become, like, the full High Lord of the Night Court. And, like, a new love interest or, like, something came in to, like, her. You know what I mean? Ooh, like Lucian. Or, like, maybe he lives in her subconscious or, like, lives in the mating bond. But, like, Ooh. Fun. I like that idea. I, Somebody I, call me to help me write. I don't want to do any writing. I just want to give ideas for mm-hmm. her book. Um, I will I, I'm, a, I'm okay. Like, it would have hurt, but... I, 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 
okay because she got everything she wanted from Reese. Yeah. Like. Except that baby. Mm-hmm. Except that little bone carver baby. Children ruin everything. They, they do. do. That's why no one liked the pregnancy trope. And also, while while Tamlin gives off his little kernel of power, he tells Feyre to be happy. And I have a question. Yeah. Between the High Lord meeting and this point in the book, what are your feelings on Tamlin and what he went through? In those, in just that section, and how does it affect your overall perception of Tamlin in, in the series? In the words of Cardi B from Love and Hip Hop New York, <laughs> before her teeth surgery, when a bitch has beef with me, she has beef with me forever. <laughs> you think Tamlin's not going to let go of this that easily? I think she should. It. Oh, in favor? Because I'm petty. Um, <laughs> So you're like Farah, huh? No, I'm Nesta. Forgive people. <laughs> I, you know, because we also saw Tamlin rescue Farah when she went to go rescue Elaine. Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> but also, Jurian did the same thing. Do we really forgive Jurian? It's almost like he he thought he was doing the most by doing the least. That's just what it feels like. Like he did the bare minimum and it just looks so good because that's all we've ever seen of him. Oh yeah. That's really sad. Like that's like, that's I think my, my trouble. Cause it's like, I want to be like, yes. Like maybe there's a redemption arc here. Mm-hmm. I've still, I cannot emotionally invest past it at this point. Personally. I also just think it was Sarah J. Mass trying to wrap it up in a pretty bow. And it's like, d- he didn't have to say anything. Yeah. Like, there wasn't time for that. And later on in this book, we also get where she sends a note back to him that says, I hope you find happiness, too, or whatever. Nobody cares. Um, But, like, it it just seems so insignificant. And to have him say that at that moment in time when he's giving it the kernel and stuff. Yeah. Like, it. I feel like that was so stupid. It could have just been, like, we're even. But it also feels like a really symbolic moment i guess maybe that's why sarah j mass brought resan back same way Feyre, because it kind of it truly ends that cycle that talent Feyre cycle in this moment when he chooses not to be petty and brings back his ex-love's mates listening to you guys i'm okay with tamlin saying what he said i mean like, i'm okay that was with quick I'm okay with him doing it. I mean, I agree with you, Sam. Like, like, is he just going to be mad for the next 2,000 years? Like, come on. No, I just thought it was, I don't know. I think there was so much cliche shit happening that that was, like, the nail in the coffin for me. I was I like, the cake of it. oh, yeah. my God, come on. We don't really see Tamlin come to a resolution about Feyre. That's the problem, is we just saw him angry at the High Lord meeting, and he was a total dick. And I mean, and some of it's almost rightfully so. She did screw him over royally. Um, but and then we see him the next time we see him is when she's saving Elaine and he and he helps her out. It's hard to connect those two dots. And he shows up for battle. Right. And then he shows with, up for battle with, really with two interns. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. He did he did he thought he did the most by doing the least because he's right. been so inconsistent. I think that's what's like Right. It's the whiplash, but that's also just Tamlin's MO. It's just that back and forth with everything he does. You know what it is? I wasn't happy that Reese came back and 
then he came back and it was supposed to be a very like sensitive romantic rom- moment between Feyre and Rhysand. And I feel like having your ex there just kind of was like, okay. And being like, okay, I'm doing this for you. You guys yeah, be happy. Like, I'm happy for you. It's like, thank you for your approval. <laughs> yeah. That's, I think, the pro- that's the salt in the wound of it all. Yep. Like you're, you're together by the grace of me. Or, like, even that she needed his, like, help at all. Yeah. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, they, there should have been a million other ways to bring Raysane back other than doing the same thing they did in book yes. one. Especially but like, with But not having the same there? results. I yeah. Mean, she did have a cauldron next to her that's life and death incarnate. Yeah, so. You can't when Amran's chilling in there. You can't fit two bodies. You can just take Amran out. And put Reese in. I'm not looking at either of you. That hurt my eyes. <laughs> so Reese and he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And like you said, Sam, he somehow knows that he didn't steal any powers like Feyre did. Which is, I think it's interesting that he said no thievery when, like, obviously Feyre did not steal anybody's powers, but it's perceived by them that she did. So it's kind of like a sarcastic remark. Yeah. Also, maybe not the best thing to say to people who don't take sarcasm well. Right. And are very sensitive about this. Right. Especially Baron. Yeah. Like, and that was a big reason why he hesitated with or like didn't they force him you know yeah what? it shouldn't have been tamlin not giving the power it should have been baron, baron. Who refused it that would have been an epic ending yeah caused that like battle like caused that like riff in and yeah. for the next book that would have been dope um and let us also circle back to amran popping up out of the cult yeah so it doesn't re- make any sense yeah but she's also not her mystical non-face she, self she is she's not she can't be her old self again uh the uh the arch angle winged her whatever her, she can't be her true form again but she also can't be what she used to be either so which right. i think she looks like the same as right, that thing she, she is fully taken on a, a high fate form right so She's she probably no doesn't have that like glow in her eyes right isn't that what it is she has yeah. to eat real food now no more blood mm-hmm. yeah, she's no longer of another world yeah she's, she chose this world uh, cute i, I like her i hate it <laughs> I hate it. No, I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> and then, um, That's so great, great opinions. So uh, after we're pretty happy about more. Uh, sorry about Amory coming back. Yeah. The focus then becomes on Daddy, who's Archer. Yeah, who who died, and yeah. and 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 his funeral, and they they do a, a, a not an effigy. Um, the, eulogy? The, yeah, eulogy, uh, burning body thing. This is also at this funeral. This is where we finally get to like talk to Vasa one on one and catch up with Lucian, Lucian. and his adventures. Mm-hmm. Better time to do that than a funeral. Yeah, well, let's hang out. <laughs> <laughs> we should do this more often. As Nesta's actually showing feelings. Yeah, Nesta. Like, that's great, Nesta. Let's go talk to Nesta. You know, and I have a theory about Nesta with all of this. Like, I know this, I feel like this is going to sound petty, but I think not only is Nesta grieving her dad because they didn't leave on the best terms, mm-hmm. and her dad was trying towards the end, especially for her, um, 
I think she might be a little embarrassed that she was that vulnerable with Cassian. Yeah. All the scenes after this is she's just like hiding in her room. And it's just, and I'm like, I don't blame her. Like, that's hard to be that vulnerable and that exposed emotionally and then look at this dude <laughs> so i uh i i'm just yeah i could, I could see, get behind that yeah like, i know i threw my life on the line but i never want to talk to you again. i think that's hard for nested to be in that position um and, and of course losing her dad when he's trying to make amends but yeah i think it honestly i think it's more around Cassian than anything else but she is noted to be carrying around one of her dad's famous wooden figure wooden bear figurines <laughs> do you also think she might be hiding because she might be freaked out by the fact that she like we, we totally just glazed over this she just shot power out of her hand uh, like we knew something was off but mm-hmm. we didn't know that she had like real powers right I, I, and, I, and I'm sure like I, I feel like in many ways this whole experience sort of I don't want to say unleashed, but like matured her in a way, like or evolved her in Mm. a way now that she's like consciously aware. I think throughout the all of this book up until now, she's been like suppressing this stuff and like pushing all of these. Yeah, just like keeping it under the surface as best she can, like kind of like a suitcase that's full and just sitting on it. But she also like didn't know what her power was. She also wasn't triggered enough to be able to use it either. Right. So it's probably simmering under the surface and Cassian being threatened watching her father die, knowing that her sisters were probably not going to be far behind. She finally unleashed in a way that she... She couldn't bottle it anymore. And didn't have control over right, it. Right, right. Simultaneously. Right. I will say, I am very interested to see her in Silver Flames. I do know, I don't think this is a huge spoiler, that the perspective of Silver Flames is from uh, Nesta's perspective. From this point, yeah. Yeah. Once you know. I don't think that's a huge spoiler. No. I'm excited to see... <gasps> it gets... Sorry. <laughs> well, we're well, but we are not reading Silver Flames yet. Next, we are going to read the Christmas special, <laughs> Frost and Starlight. <laughs> Is that what everyone calls it? Yeah, low key, low key. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. I'm sorry. I, I did skip over a few things. We had a couple other uh events take place. We had a negotiate. We had uh the negotiation with Drake and Miriam. They are going to take the cauldron because you can't destroy the cauldron. If you destroy the cauldron, you destroy Prithian. Unless you put the cauldron back together. Yeah. So uh, Drake and Miriam are going to be hiding the cauldron at their glamour whatever. Yeah, where where it should be safe over there. Um, And then we... Do we really trust them? I do. I don't think we have any reason not to. We don't know them. I mean, we don't. They do. God, mm-hmm. why Favorite doesn't? Yeah, I mean, Favorite doesn't. They're the, they're the, uh, Im, they're one of the few impartial magical groups in this world that that we're aware of right yeah. now. No one's ever impartial. We're gonna find out, aren't we? Yeah, I guess we're gonna find out. I, I don't know where else they're gonna put it. Yeah, can't trust any of these. Well, and so they end up having a meeting in their old destroyed home. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. very symbolic, and all the High Lords are there, and they're kind of renegotiating 
It's also Tamlin's first time he sees Lucian in a in a really long time. And he's in nightclub. He's in nightclub attire is awkward AF. They don't make eye contact. Uh but uh Feyre gives Lucian a note to give to Tamlin, where she basically is like, you know, I wish you all the best. And I think she just thank, says thanks and hope thank you. Yeah, hope something. you're happy. Something simple short, simple so dumb. to the point, like XOXO. <laughs> Fei-Fei. Um, <laughs> um, and and then we go into, not deeply, but we go into a uh, negotiation of the treaty. And we're, we're working through it with all the High Lords and, and humans. Grayson is there. They they even notate that as well. And a, yeah. Can we also just say kudos to Grayson for not dying? I really wanted him to die. I was yeah. pissed about the whole Elaine thing. Elaine deserves right? that much. Elaine's still wearing a ring at the end of the book. I know, and she's, that's why I think they'll still end up together. No. What if she goes back into the cauldron and can become human again? No. I, I don't think so. Wishful uh, thinking. Uh, yeah, I agree with Sam on this one. I don't think that's going to happen. He wouldn't take her back. No. <laughs> no. If he made his dad, No. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. <laughs> but the treaty doesn't get resolved. That's the important thing. It's just the, the initial discussions. Yeah, yeah. It, the ball got rolling, but but it is it, it's it's still rolling when we leave this book. And um, I think the, we see Nesta start <clears throat> shutting down. Yeah, and starting cutting. And, but we're on, on the flip side. We're seeing Elaine. Elaine flourish. Like, yeah, yeah. In the garden. <laughs> And she's talking about like wanting to grow things, and you know, after all this death and destruction, she's like, she wants to have a garden. Yeah, she wants How she, in depth. I know. Oh my gosh, not this again. <laughs> it's a dumb hobby. I get it. It's a dumb <laughs> hobby. It's like painting and dancing. Yeah, but now she's deep carved. Yeah, she's not a wet she, blanket anymore because she has a garden. She has plants. <laughs> She, she has, has a personality. She has an she has intricate collection of succulents. <laughs> um so we've got uh we've got Elaine flourishing, Nesta crashing. Um Cassian's okay, he's healed up. Azrael's okay, he's healed up. I don't think more is really mentioned. I know she's fine, but Again, no, surprise, surprise. Yeah, and I we have there are two additional tra- chapters where we see Resand we from Resand's perspective. But who's gonna bring the other person back if they both die? It's they're, they're yeah. We're supposed to be calling them back for the main. So bomb. when they dead, they dead. It just dead. Rip. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I hope that doesn't happen. And. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta go. Um, so, <laughs> so next time we're actually going to be reading the entire Frost and Starlight. It is a, is a novella. It's a little over two hundred pages long. So it is a multiple perspective a book. So we're going to see Resan. We're going to see Feyre. Elaine. I don't know. I haven't read it. you guys. Have read more, it. Nesta. more Nesta, Maybe Cassian, Cassian Asriel. Well, we're gonna find out. Refine Nuala and Caradwin, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> Their own book. Lucian would be cool too. Mm, I don't remember. Doesn't happen. Never mind. So, final thoughts on this book. I hated it. No, <laughs> I, I, I liked the beginning of it, and um, 
I do think, like we talked about, I think it would have been okay if Reesan and Amrin left this storyline. If I, I think it would have been okay if we lost them, but we have them back, so we'll see how that goes. Um, uh, Sam, what do you have for final thoughts? I think the book could have been parsed down a little bit overall, mm. and I don't mind a happy ending as long as there is um, a little bit of uh, outside thinking when it comes to things. It's just a little too on the nose, the ending of it was. I don't mind that there was a big battle. I just, I feel like the stakes just didn't match the buildup mm-hmm. for me. It's probably my least favorite. I agree. I don't like that she broke her own rules. I don't think the hybrid threat was ever severe enough for me. Yeah. So then we get into this huge battle. I guess I just don't truly, I just don't think I fully grasp why they were fighting. You know what? Because they never actually lost a battle to hybrid. Oh, they didn't. Technically, no. They won Adriata. Like, they won Valaris. And they won't get sucked. They never actually lost in like a detrimental way to Highburn. They all had their personal trauma with Highburn. Right. But yeah, you're right. But not even really with Highburn. It's with Amarantha. Well, who's straight from Highburn? Well, yeah. well, no, but the end of Miss and Fury. Yeah. What happened at the end of. Oh, the cauldron. The dungeon, yeah. Like yeah. that doesn't warrant a huge battle. Yeah, that's a personal yeah, vendetta. Not a and, well, Annie took down the wall. Which is a loss, but, like, I don't know. I feel like the wall, that moment hurt after the Lord, like the High Lord's meeting. But there should have been so much more after that. Like, it should have, because he was always, like, one step ahead of them. Remember with the formations and where they were, they can never figure out where he was. I feel like there should have been other battles that they lost leading up to the official battle. Or infiltrations. I feel like Tamlin could have been wielded a little bit better, a little bit differently as, like, a double agent. Like, where's his loyalties lie? Yeah. Because that was just, like... Durian. A little weird. Yeah, and ju- again, the whole Jurian thing was never fully fleshed out for me. Yeah. Um, like, honestly, I would have thought Hybern would have wielded, like, mind control or something and been... Like, I wish that in some situation he would have been able to take control of one of the High Lord's armies. Yeah. So that it, like, evened the playing field a little bit. Because Hybern and his beasts that literally Feyre kills when she's still a human. She killed the Nega and, and stuff like that. Like these were beasts that could be killed by a human girl, like not even a woman. She was what? 17, 19. 18, whatever. Um, so I just, I don't know. The battle seemed so huge, but it seems like an easy win. And then I was like, Oh no, hybrids army is coming on the ocean. And it's like, they probably still would have been able to win. Yeah. I mean, they certainly had a lot of backup. Like it, it didn't. It didn't really feel like that. Highburn had the upper hand because they had Bone Carver, Briaxis, Weaver, Naval Fleet, Aerial Fleet, Five High Lords, Human Fleet. The all of them. It it did. And he just had cooking pots. Like I, yeah. like had, had like a ton of people. It it didn't really seem like he had the upper hand he also just didn't wield the cauldron as much as i thought he would right i feel like he would have wielded it more after the wall went down like they should have come to the human realm when they were ready to save people and found everyone dead right 
Oh, that would have been that would have been good. That's incentive to win a battle. Mm-hmm. Like, or I don't understand. Or take out all the human her. queens. I don't understand how she can take he, like he takes down the whole human well, but he doesn't obliterate all of the humans right next to the wall in the town that she went to go save people. Yeah, that actually makes sense. I feel like that sense. would be the first thing you do is you start annihilating people. You don't just like take down the wall and be like, ha, I did it. <laughs> and then sit and see what they do. I think that's what makes... Because I remembered before I'd read Throne of Glass that like as a whole, people prefer Throne of Glass across the board. Because it's real. Well, and I think it's just because I think as much as I love it, this is not me like shitting on Akatar. I do love this series so much. But I think that the series being romance-focused, it loses its way in the plot when Throne of Glass is opposite. It is very much an action-adventure fantasy with romance as the yeah. secondary plot line. I think that is why uh, we're having those grievances, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because it's too romance-focused. Yeah. The plot, right. line, the plot line doesn't make sense because she breaks her rules so that Feyre and Rhysand can stay alive. Right. So that these people can still be part of it. Like, she yeah. literally killed off the people who, realistically, were only pawns to win the battle in the first place. Right. The whole reason why they were introduced, they've, like, met their purpose. And now that they don't have a purpose, she just killed them off. Right. I don't think that Sarah J. Mass wanted to cash in on those... Um, on the bargains that they had made with the bone carver and the weaver and stuff. Sucks. Yeah. I want to know what the bargain was that you with the weaver, with the yeah, weaver and stuff. Like that's all propelling storylines. Yeah, that could have even not even been to deal with Rhysand and Feyre, but somehow been passed off to other characters, right? And stuff mm-hmm. like that should have been a more thing where she got the weaver and made the bargain, and Feyre's like, "You did this without telling me," and Moore's like, Ooh, you, "You know what I mean?" Like that's a good just, idea. I know that's a really good idea. That like, would have made more just, sense. There was so... Uh-huh, you know sense. what makes me frustrated? It's not that I don't like the book. Yeah. I know I'm complaining about it a lot. It's that there was so much potential for amazing writing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you had all of this stuff built up that you've been working on. And it was like you took all of these amazing things. And it's almost like she did it with Crescent City. And so maybe I was kind of expecting her to do it with Akatar, where it was, like, the Easter eggs or, like... The plot twist that really gets you you're like oh my god this was brought up in book one and like chapter one and this one thing was said i think this book is missing that really well executed interplay that the first two books have yeah. mm-hmm. the first two books are just so good so good They're really good and it's because it's it is that perfect mix of romance and plot because you're trying to figure out the mystery of the curse in the first one and then you're trying to understand the, the potential looming threat of Highburn in the second one, while Feyre is trying to understand her fey form yeah. and her powers from all the High Lords. And Amarantha was vicious. I honestly think Amarantha was worse than King Highburn. Yes. Which doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. I agree. We went to a whole battle and broke the cauldron that would end the world to battle with this guy. Yeah. We're reading Frost's Starlight next time. That's our next read with me. We're reading the entire book. And uh, I think it's going to be, um, you know, I'm excited. I also think it's going to be a huge cheese ball. It's going to be a feel-good book. Yeah. I, I, think, I think after going through all of this stuff, it's going to be a nice respite from 
war and death and plot points not going the way they should (laughs) and breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of funny because I feel like this book breaks the rule when it comes to um, Akatar because now we are like we're going through a multi perspective into a brand new perspective. So Mm -hmm. interesting. That's very interesting. I did like Frosted Starlight. Mm -hmm. I didn't mind it either. I've heard it was fun. I've heard good things. I liked it better than uh, than Wayne and Erwin. Oh! It was nice and refreshing. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at confession stand underscore podcast for any show updates. Feel free to give us a follow on our Goodreads too, to see what we're currently up to. That link is in our bio. Bye. 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 Bye.